Are you thankful for the worldwide outreach of issues, etc.? Please consider making a special Thanksgiving gift. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org, or you can also contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. For a year-end contribution of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Savior of the nations, come, virgin son, make here your home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. The Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations, Come. That hymn is a prayer. It's a prayer of both the Old Testament believers who anticipated the first coming of Christ and New Testament believers who anticipate the second coming of Christ. And in a nutshell, that's kind of what Advent is all about. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Friday afternoon, November the 25th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Pastor Peter Bender will reprise our Looking Forward to Sunday Morning series uh, according to the one-year lectionary as we begin the first Sunday in Advent. An hour from now, we'll discuss woke journalism with Batya Unger-Sargon of Newsweek. Pastor Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and he's director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. Peter, welcome back. Good to be with you again, Todd. What is the one-year lectionary? Well, the one-year lectionary that we are using in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod dates back in its form that we have it now to the time of Luther, but it has precedence centuries before that. Back in the early centuries of the Christian church into the Middle Ages, the church year began to take shape, particularly from Advent through Eastertide. And it's amazing that it has significant stability in the Western church, some local variations, but from Advent through Eastertide, that became fairly well established in the early centuries of the church and into the Middle Ages. Uh, By the end of the fifth century, the readings for the festival half of the year were then fairly settled. You're talking about Advent through Pentecost, and then lections for the remaining Sundays of the church year, which we call the Trinity cycle, began to take shape. So by the time of Luther, there was a well-established set of readings Holy Gospel and Epistle, not with an Old Testament, but Gospel and Epistle for the entire church year. That's the basis for the historic one-year series, as it's sometimes called. And then Old Testament readings have been uh, added. And in Lutheran service book, those Old Testament readings in some cases have been refined and adjusted from perhaps 20, 30, 50 years ago. So that's the one-year series. It really fixes the Sundays so that you get an annual cycle of praying on Sundays in the divine service according to these texts, which really highlight themes for all of these great church year periods. Advent, which means coming, uh, the nativity of our Lord, the epiphany of our Lord, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and then the Sundays after Trinity, uh, the time of of growth in faith toward Christ and in love for others. So there are 
material that has uh, swirled around the church year seasons, uh, and then the Sundays in particular, in terms of introits, the entrance after the confession and absolution, the gradual between the Old Testament and epistle, alleluia verses which anticipate the gospel and so forth. So those other propers have a longstanding history too, along with the three principal readings that uh, are appointed for each particular Sunday. I think there was a criticism about having a one-year lectionary for Sunday that, well, people are not going to hear enough scripture. And in no way was the Sunday morning lectionary to be considered to be the only scripture that the church would hear, preached, have as a basis of its catechesis, have the people meditate upon. No, the church always has advocated daily prayer, matins, vespers, both corporately and in the private devotional life of members. So in our own parish, I find the one-year series to be extremely useful because it's an anchor from Sunday to Sunday as we have a three-year Bible reading lectionary with Old and New Testament readings every day where we're getting a rich diet of God's Word. But the advantage of the one year then is you have this rhythm that you're coming back to again and again and again, accenting and highlighting themes from these major festival periods and the non-festival half of the church year. What is Advent? I love Advent. It's one of my favorite seasons because it's about reality. We can't properly celebrate Christmas unless we face the harsh realities of being sinful and living in a fallen world. So Advent is about those realities, facing them head on, and then yearning for deliverance by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think, Todd, you and I as pastors have been in situations where there's been causes of great grief and turmoil in the lives of our members, and if Christmas is coming, they might be tempted to believe that there's nothing to celebrate. When in reality, Advent is done best when it faces all of the harsh and brutal realities of, of life. What sin has done to us, what the curse of the fall has done to us, how we are in need of our Savior, so that we are celebrating Christmas rightly. So we face these harsh realities in a fallen world as we yearn for deliverance by the coming of our Lord Jesus. So the coming on Christmas that we celebrate is a foretaste of the ultimate fulfillment in the second coming, and then the daily way in which Jesus comes to us in his word and sacrament sustains us along the way. So Advent teaches us to face the harsh realities of living in a fallen world where we are subject to human weakness and suffering. Advent teaches us to look to Christ for rescue from the threatening perils of our sins. That's from the collect for the first Sunday in Advent, and to yearn for his deliverance. Advent links our hope for deliverance to the atonement. Hosanna, which means save us now, is introduced on the first Sunday in Advent, and we remember it as the cry of those pilgrims as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And it's from Psalm 118, the Passover psalm, and it means save us now, Save us now to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes to die in the name of the Lord. So his coming in the flesh, his coming in glory, and his coming to us daily in word and sacrament 
is all the same coming of his grace, mercy, forgiveness, and righteousness that covers all of our sin and gives us hope in the midst of the very brutal and harsh realities of our existence. Let's go through the propers for this coming Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, beginning with the collect. The collects in Advent for Sunday, three of the four are addressed to the person of the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's only the second Sunday in Advent that is addressed to the Father, which is how the Sunday collects are typically addressed. We have a few collects in the church here addressed to the Holy Spirit, and a few to the Son, and most of them come in Advent. So the collect for the first Sunday in Advent, stir up your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins and saved by your mighty deliverance. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Notice, Todd, how that language in the petition of the collect captures that Advent kind of theme that we were just talking about, facing the harsh realities of living in a fallen world, of being sinful. We're praying that we may be rescued by our Lord Jesus from the threatening perils of our sins. It's not simply the the evil in the world out there, but the threatening peril of our sins that seek to destroy our faith and that we might be saved by God's mighty deliverance. And that collect for the day really captures the theme for the day articulated in the gospel, the Old Testament and epistle reading, as well as the introit. The Sunday name in Latin, ad televavi, is taken from the introit, and it means, to you I lift up my soul. And Psalm 25 begins the introit, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. So when you put that passage from Psalm 25, verse 1, against the backdrop of the harsh realities of this life and how our our faith is attacked and how we are so easily prone to lose confidence in our Lord, to find ourselves in the darkness of depression and despair because of the world in which we live, how the church is persecuted and suffering, how Christians find themselves in great weakness and turmoil. You can see how fitting that is to begin our prayers with the confession of sins, the absolution, and then that wonderful intro it. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. May integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. So you see how those assertions are directed to the threatening perils of our sins, and the need to be saved by the Lord's mighty deliverance, as the Collect says. You know, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. For you I wait all day long. For I wait for you. So the idea of waiting in the midst of the difficulties of life is not only an Advent theme, but it is highlighted in the portions of Psalm 25 that serve as the intro for the first Sunday in Advent. 
We're looking forward to Sunday morning, the first Sunday in Advent, with Pastor Peter Bender, pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. When we come back, we're going to kind of front load the gospel reading, but first we'll talk about the Alleluia verse that comes before it. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Are you thankful for the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc.? Please consider making a special Thanksgiving gift. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org, or you can also contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. For a year-end contribution of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. The faith once for all delivered to the saints. You're listening to Issues Etc. Charlotte, North Carolina is one of the fastest growing metros in the United States with numerous company headquarters calling the Queen City home. Folks from all around the country have come to Charlotte for its temperate climate and convenient location between the mountains and the beach. If work, family, or vacation brings you to our area, we warmly invite you to join us at All Saints Lutheran Church, the congregation confessional in doctrine and liturgical in practice. Find us online at allsaintslutheran.org. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical Curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR23 to save on your order. SimplyClassical.com That is the fifth stanza of the Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations Come. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest as we look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, looking forward to Advent 1. You wanted to front load the gospel reading rather than take it in its proper order, but let's begin with this Alleluia verse that introduces the gospel reading. Yeah, and the reason that I wanted to do that, Todd, is because the gospels run the Sundays. That's true for every single Sunday in the one-year series. And the Alleluia verses are anticipatory of the gospel itself, and, and not simply the gospel reading, 
But what the Alleluia verses are anticipating is the unique proclamation of the gospel, the good news of what God in his grace has done for us in Jesus. And I think when we observe the liturgy According to the rubrics, it really helps our people understand what's going on in the liturgy. So I think a lot of times our people think of the liturgy as just being a bunch of parts stuck together. Uh, invocation, confession, absolution, intro, at Kyrie, salutation, collect, alleluia verse, gospel, with no particular relationship necessarily to each other. And that's not true. We stand, according to the rubrics, for the Alleluia verse and through the reading of the gospel, its introduction and its conclusion. That's because it's a unit. So the Alleluia verse for the first Sunday in Advent, we stand up anticipating the Lord's preaching to us, the Lord Jesus himself in the gospel. And we pray Psalm 85 verse 7, Alleluia, show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Alleluia. This concept of steadfast love, remember our theme for Advent, how we're facing the harsh, cold realities of life, uh, the problem with sin and with death all around us and the attacks upon our faith. And in the midst of that, we are prone to weakness, stumbling and falling. But the Lord is steadfast. The Lord is immovable. He is steadfast in his love. This is the one whom we depend upon whom we yearn for, who grants us salvation. So that, that sets up the reading of the gospel for today and really captures what the pilgrims in Jerusalem had going on inside of their hearts and spirits as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. So here we are at the beginning of the church year, and the appointed gospel is Matthew 21, 1 through 9, which is the Palm Sunday reading of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and how appropriate it is because as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ, who is born of the Virgin Mary and laid into the manger, we already see in view the atonement, the cross. And that's what the people were praying for on Palm Sunday, whether they even realized it or not, as they identified Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah, the Christ, the son of David, the king of Israel. So let me read through the gospel. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the Gospel of the Lord. Now let's highlight a few things from this gospel. 
Jesus says to them, his disciples, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. We see here that in the plan of salvation, nothing is an accident. All things unfold in the work of salvation as our Lord has directed them to be fulfilled. And so the disciples find that what Jesus says is true. They go into the village in front of them. It's probably from Bethphage to Bethany. Bethphage is about a mile from Jerusalem and Bethany about two miles. So they fetch that donkey, that beast of burden, and they bring it to him. And if anyone says anything to you, Tell them the Lord needs them, and he will at once send them. So how the word of God governs things, not only the word of Jesus, but then the word of the Old Testament prophets, because this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And it's from Zechariah 9.9. Proclamation, say to the daughter of Zion, it's the proclamation of the good news. Behold, your king is coming to you. It is as if the prophet were saying, and Matthew underscores that here, it is as if the prophet were saying, your Savior has come, the Son of David, the King of Israel, your Redeemer, the one who will rescue you from the threatening perils of your sins and save you by his mighty deliverance. So that text quoted from Zechariah 9 is proclamation of the good news to a suffering, languishing people to create faith, to call them to reliance upon the Lord, and to increase their hope, their confidence that though things are bad for us, our Lord will come. So Advent is about the proclamation of the gospel. Behold, your King is coming to you, your Messiah, the Anointed One, Son of David, Seed of Abraham, Seed of the Woman. All of the Old Testament promises are fulfilled in this one who comes into Jerusalem. And it's clear that there was an act of worship going on. I mean, it was not only the custom to adore the civil ruler waving palm branches and putting cloaks down, but this is ratcheted up in this story on Palm Sunday as so many of the people laid their garments on the road. So many of them cut down branches from the trees and waved them in to shield from the hot rays of the sun their Lord, who is coming into Jerusalem, to hail him as their king, son of David. And the words that they shout, the words that they sing, are from Psalm 118. They're a portion of that psalm that would have been prayed by the faithful Israelites in their annual celebration of the Passover. By the blood of the Passover lamb, they were set free from slavery in Egypt. And in that psalm, Hosanna, it's a word of praise Yet, what does it mean? It means, save us now. And it is uttered with the firm and yearning conviction that he has the salvation for us. Did they know how he would do it? That in just five days he would die upon the cross and shed his blood? Likely not. But they were right to pray this psalm. They identified Jesus as Messiah, son of David, Hosanna, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord God Almighty to save. Hosanna, save us now in the heights of heaven. So the response of faith to the gospel, save us now. Blessed is he who comes to die in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Save us now in the heights of heaven, for you have come down to us to the pit of our hell and despair to rescue us. The response to that is faith 
to cling to him who condescended to our condition to rescue us. So so it's a wonderful gospel that sets up the anticipation of our Lord's coming and how his coming into Jerusalem as the babe of Bethlehem who is laid into the manger. All of this is connected to his coming in the atonement where he is the savior from sin and the redeemer. And if you think about what those pilgrims were suffering under, you know, the tyranny of the Roman government, crippling high taxes, many of them impoverished, subject to persecution, turmoil from within and from without, the assaults of the evil one. It's just like our world today, different clothing, different time, different culture, but a lot of the same struggles and the same need to receive the one who comes in the name of the Lord to die upon a cross. So let's rewind a bit to the Old Testament reading. What is it, and what would you highlight from it? Yeah, I like to go, when talking about this and explaining the day, to let the gospel govern it, and then go to the Old Testament, because there is invariably a very tight connection between the gospel for the day and the Old Testament. So it's from Jeremiah 23, 5 through 8. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Todd, I think the context of Jeremiah's ministry is so critically important. He ministered on the threshold of the Babylonian captivity, the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem temple, and then in the years that immediately followed that. He's called the weeping prophet, and what he is weeping over so much of the time is the impenitence and rebellion of the southern kingdom of Judah. He's calling kings to repentance, they don't listen. He calls the people to repentance, they turn a deaf ear. And he would have been a contemporary of the prophet Habakkuk also. And Habakkuk is the one who in chapter 2 was instructed by the Lord that when the city is destroyed and the captives are being carried away to hold forth that promise of the gospel made to Abraham, in you and in your seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And Jeremiah is writing about that here. Uh, The days will come when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. That's Christ. And he'll execute justice and righteousness in the land. Where will he do that? He'll do it on the cross that the final execution of justice and the establishment of righteousness will be in the atoning sacrifice that Jesus makes for us. And because of that, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And then one of the sweetest gospel passages in all of the Old Testament, this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Not me, not by my works, not by my strength, not by my merit, but the Lord who executed justice and righteousness in the land by his death upon the cross, who made full atonement for sin, the Lord is our righteousness. And in the verses that followed that, you know, he says the days are coming 
when they'll no longer say, this is the Lord who brought us out of the land of Egypt, but this is the Lord who brought us up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them. That not only anticipates the return of exiles, but on a much grander scale, it speaks about how the true children of Israel are those who believe in Christ, the son of David, as their righteousness, whom he calls from all nations of the entire globe into the Holy Christian Church. So it is eschatological as it looks forward to Jesus' death and resurrection and by the call of the gospel, many from every tribe and nation on the face of the earth are drawn to him as their Savior and Lord. So we can highlight a number of points from this Jeremiah text. The son of David is the righteous branch, the very source of all life and salvation. Christ is our righteousness. This is the name by which he will be called. He is the source of eternal comfort. And that responsory is part of the traditional Advent responsory. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. He is our self-worth, therefore. He is our confidence and our joy. And so if you think about the struggles that we have in this veil of tears, I often tell people, you wake up in the morning or you go to bed at night, and no matter what's happening, you say to yourself, I am a baptized Christian. Christ is my righteousness. I am joined to his death and to his resurrection. He has executed justice for me. He is my righteousness. I am clothed with his forgiveness. And that is a source of confidence and ultimate sense of self-worth. No matter what's happening to me, if I've lost my job, if I'm swimming in debt, if I'm suffering with a terminal illness, Christ is my righteousness. And if I have him, no matter what happens to me in this life, clothed with his righteousness, I shall be prepared to meet him when he comes again in glory. So now are the days in which he calls his people by the gospel to faith from every nation across the globe. So it's, it's a wonderful uh, Old Testament reading paired with the gospel. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He who is our righteousness. We are looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Peter Bender, director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. We will move on to the gradual in Psalm 25 and the epistle reading from Romans 13 next. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. Did you know that we send out an email each week that details upcoming show topics? It's available for you to include in your weekly church bulletin. Just click the Issues Etc. Journal logo at our homepage, issuesetc.org, and sign up to receive the church bulletin blurb. It's an easy way to invite your fellow parishioners to listen to Issues Etc. 
issuesetc.org. Look for the Issues Etc. journal logo and register to receive a weekly bulletin paragraph from Issues Etc. As we prepare for the Advent season this year, it's time for some contemplation. Your Christmas are from the 80s. They're made of styrofoam, the glitter has dropped off, and they're being held together with toothpicks. Don't celebrate another Christmas hearkening back to the age of glitter balls. See Ad Crusom's beautifully designed Christmonds together with our book describing how they fit into the church year. Visit adcrusom.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. The Word of God, Daily Worship, Lutheran Hymnody and Catechesis, Instruction in Phonics, Traditional Math, Literature, Grammar, History, Latin and Strings. It's all part of our daily life here at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. St. Paul is seeking teaching candidates for the 2023-24 school year. Learn more at school at stpaulhamel.org. Consider joining the faithful faculty at the only classical Lutheran school in Greater St. Louis. School at stpaulhamel.org. Expert guests. Expansive topics. Extolling Christ. You're listening to Issues Etc. Come and experience firsthand by sitting down in classes and actually hearing professors. Coming to chapel, which is always the high point of the day, to hear the Word of God and to lift our voices in song. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Paul Grimm on why you should consider visiting Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Spend time talking to professors. I mean, there's not a professor here who will not be willing to, to take time, whether it's after chapel during the coffee hour or just to come into one's study and, and sit down and talk for a while, to answer questions, to you know, help them to get a sense of, A, you know, do they want to be a pastor or a deaconess? And then B, is this the right place? And well, maybe C would be the question, is now the right time for them to make that decision? If you've contemplated the vocation of pastor or deaconess, contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or send an email to admission at ctsfw.edu. Lutheran Public Radio Choir with stanza six of the Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations Come. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. Looking forward to Advent 1. Pastor Peter Bender is our guest. So, Peter, take us into the gradual that is drawn from Psalm 25. I love, again, how tightly all of these texts fit together, and it was very fitting that you began this segment with stanza six of Savior of the Nations Come. For you are the Father's Son who in flesh the victory won. By your mighty power make whole all our ills of flesh and soul to make us whole. That's certainly the encouragement behind the Old Testament for today. And that theme is picked up on in the gradual. More verses from Psalm 25 verses 3 and 4, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. I mean, think about, I'm in a prison camp someplace as a Christian. I still celebrate Advent 
and I still celebrate and give thanks for the birth of Jesus in human flesh. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. Or if I'm struggling with other brokenness in my life or the terrible grief of having lost a loved one, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous, full of deceit. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Those last words of the gradual psalm speak of the quiet confidence of the Christian whose faith is in the Lord Jesus, and it expresses the theology of the cross that God accomplishes his greatest good in the midst of suffering and hardship. We learn to believe this by looking to the manger and by looking to the cross where Jesus suffered for us. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. How out of suffering and death, God brings about new life and peace. So that gradual transitions us then from the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness, into the epistle, Romans 13. The traditional epistle was verses 11 through 14, which began with, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. But the Lutheran Service Book extends the reading by adding verses 8, 9, and 10 in front of the traditional epistle. And I think this is particularly helpful because it teaches us to live in faith and hope for our Lord's coming and to do so in love as he loved us. And love is the fulfillment of the law not for our benefit, but for the benefit of our neighbor. So it speaks about Christian vocation. In other words, what does the Christian life look like in this veil of tears, in this time of Advent waiting? You know, from that standpoint, Todd, our entire life as a Christian on this side of the resurrection, on this side of the second coming is Advent because we're facing the harsh and cold and bitter realities of a fallen world, but we live constantly in hope as if our Lord could return at any moment. So the epistle says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Again, that's the verses added to the traditional epistle. And then the traditional epistle continues. Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. This is the word of the Lord. Now I'd like to begin with that last verse of the epistle, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of verse 12, put on the armor of light. That harkens back to the Old Testament reading. This is the name by which you will be called the Lord, our righteousness. So 
Christ is our righteousness, the armor of light. Christ is the one that we put on as we receive the good news by faith and believe in him. So, as I said at the outset of talking about this epistle, to live in faith and hope for our Lord's coming is to love as he loved, because love is the fulfillment of the law. And so, owe no one anything except to love each other. That's how we live in this world. It's a humble existence, but by our love for others, particularly the enemy, we put on display in the lives that we live in an incarnational sense, you know, it's enfleshed in the body of Christ. We put on Christ and exhibit him to the world around us. So all of the commandments, they're not commandments that are simply, if we do these, then we will get some benefit for ourselves, but they describe what love looks like. And love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So our faith in Christ as the Redeemer, as the Son of David, who comes in the name of the Lord to save us, that faith is active then in love for the neighbor. And that's why I say this epistle reading really describes what life on this side of the second coming looks like, the Advent life. And he encourages the Christian in the traditional verses of this epistle to be wary of our own weaknesses and the tendency to succumb to the darkness of this present age. And he says, the hours come for you to wake up from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed, talking about our Lord's second coming, or if he tarries, our own death brings our direct encounter with the Lord very near to us. So then he says, let us cast off the works of darkness. Todd, that's the language of the baptismal life, the language of confession of sins, and put on the armor of light. That's the language of absolution. He calls to repentance. Let us live properly, walk as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, you know, following the appetites and desires of the flesh, but rather put on the Lord Jesus. So we're called to live as though the Lord could appear again in glory at any moment. For with every passing day of our lives, we draw closer to our Lord's return. So confession and absolution is at the heart of living as repentant Advent Christians. Putting off the works of darkness, confession. Putting on the armor of light, absolution. Christ, our light and our righteousness. And to put on Christ in the absolution is how he daily comes to us. It's so common, and it's a great way to think about Advent, the threefold coming of our Lord. We're not only anticipating the celebration of his coming in the flesh, Christmas, and we're not only looking forward to his second coming in glory, but we are also celebrating in this veil of tears that no matter how bleak and difficult and cold and harsh the realities of this world are, our Lord comes to us daily in his preaching, in his supper, in the words of the absolution, enabling us to live in this life without fear and in a sure and certain confidence and hope of the resurrection to eternal glory with Christ when he comes again in glory. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Peter Bender. You're connected to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin.
Now, if you appreciate our looking forward to Sunday morning teachings in the past with Pastor David Peterson, Dr. Carl Fakencher, and presently with Pastors Peter Bender and Sean Denzer, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. No gift is too small. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for thinking of Issues Etc. when you consider your year-end giving. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about the hymn of the day, and then we will summarize the entire Sunday, Advent 1, in terms of law and gospel. a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This new resource will help you navigate God's Word with clarity and confidence. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number 1-800-325-3040 or browse before you buy at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Ten questions to ask every time you read the Bible. Sacramental. Historical. Liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com and like them on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Luther Academy. of the day for this coming Sunday, Advent 1, Savior of the Nations, come. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. I'd like your thoughts before we do a summary of the Sunday on that hymn of the day, Savior of the Nations, come. Oh my, it is it is a lovely hymn. You know, the hymn of the day is not narrowly focused like a sermon hymn, as sometimes it is called, where 
it is chosen just to highlight what the preacher preaches about in the sermon. The hymn of the day is often, and certainly is in this case, much broader than that. It really encompasses the entire season of Advent. It is attributed to Ambrose of Milan. You're talking the 4th century A.D. Luther had his German translation of the hymn. It has been a long-standing hymn in our tradition in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in English. And it links together the birth of the Son of God in human flesh in the lowliness of the manger bed, his coming into the darkness of this world in such poverty and meekness, though he is the Lord of all who came forth from the Father. And as such, he then becomes the one true light that shines in the darkness of this veil of tears. And that's what was highlighted just coming out of the break. You know, from the manger, newborn light shines in glory through the night. Darkness there no more resides. In this light, faith now abides. See, faith abides in the light who is Christ, even though we find ourselves in the pitch-black darkness of a world of unbelief, rebellion against God, terrible sin and wickedness. He who has Christ, who is the true light, who is our righteousness, who is our salvation, he who has this Christ has all things and is enabled through this veil of tears to bear witness by a life of loving service to others of him who loved us first and gave himself for our redemption upon the cross, whom we then extend to the world in the Advent proclamation of the gospel that they might come into the light as well. So this is a lovely hymn as it talks so deeply about the incarnation and its opening line, Savior of the nations come. That is our continuous prayer from now until the second coming, that he who fulfilled the scriptures at his birth, death, and resurrection will consummate those same scriptures in his second coming in glory. And for this, we all wait with eager and confident expectation. So how would you summarize this coming Sunday, Advent 1, in terms of everything we've talked about that we've gone through these propers, in terms of law and gospel? I think it's clear that we do know what is the law that needs to be preached, or what is the malady to which the law must be addressed. And then finally, I just think it's critically important, you know, what is the unique gospel from Advent 1? Our malady, three points I'd like us to consider. Number one, we're so easily discouraged by the struggle with sin and the assaults upon our faith that we are tempted to lose heart, to grow weary in the Christian fight, and forbid to yield to the darkness of the world around us. It's that yielding that the Romans passage spoke about, the debauchery and the orgies and the drunkenness where what's the point and one simply, if you can't beat him, join them. And that is a temptation. I think it's a backdrop for all three readings. It was certainly the temptation of the pilgrims there in Jerusalem as Jesus entered that Holy Week. And it is certainly the backdrop of the ministry of Jeremiah. They had been 
totally discouraged. And what they needed to hear was the gospel, the promises reasserted to them in the midst of the total devastation that surrounded them when the Babylonian captivity took place. The second malady I would highlight is that our sinful flesh fights against the love of Christ that saves us and the love of Christ to which we are called in our vocation. And self-love is what we're tempted to as opposed to selfless love. And as I said, that is highlighted in the epistle. And that's a great temptation to live for ourselves, to hunker down, to withdraw so far from the world that we simply do our own thing and refuse to engage the world as Christians whose hope is in Christ and who are optimistic, who are full of joy because we know that he will come again in glory and receive us to himself. The third malady I would say is that we cannot by nature believe that Christ is our righteousness and that the entire foundation of our salvation, hope, and confidence rests in him alone. The Old Testament reading, this is the name by which will be called the Lord is our righteousness. We cannot by nature believe that, but it is the fountain and source of every grace and blessing of confidence in this veil of tears. So that needs to be asserted against our fallen nature, that faith is revived by the word of the gospel. And so the unique gospel for Advent 1, I would say, are these. Christ, your Savior, is coming to you in your lowly condition to save you and to rescue you from the threatening perils of your sins, no matter what you're going through, no matter how darkness the darkness of your life might be. Christ is coming to you in your lowly condition. And we already have seen in the testimony of the scriptures the evidence of that in the lowliness of his birth in the manger bed of Bethlehem, in his anguish upon the cross, in his suffering and death. So those things that we're preparing to celebrate on Christmas and then on Easter we shall celebrate in glory when he comes again. He's coming to you now to save you, to rescue you from the threatening perils of your sins, as the Collect says. Number two, he comes to you in lowliness to make your sins, your weaknesses, failings, and suffering his own. So there is nothing, Todd, that you or I or any of our members are suffering under that our Lord Jesus himself has not borne in his flesh to the tree of the cross. And that is of inestimable comfort for us. And then finally, I would say, Christ is your righteousness. And no voice of opposition, whether it be internal or external, in any form of threat against you, can gainsay that great truth. Christ is your righteousness. I'm baptized into Jesus. My sin is covered Thanks be to God. And you see, it's the proclamation of the gospel in this way. Christ is your Savior who comes to you in lowliness. He is your righteousness. That's what strengthens faith. And out of faith, hope is born. The blessed hope that is so characteristic of Advent that no matter how bleak and dark the road is ahead of us, we look forward with full confidence, even in the midst of tears and anguish of heart at times. But we look forward with supreme confidence in the coming of our Lord in glory, in our resurrection from the dead, in that day 
in which he will wipe all tears from our eyes. And that's why the Advent evening prayer versicles, e'en so, Lord Jesus, quickly come. The Spirit and the church cry out, come, Lord Jesus. All those who await for his appearance pray, come, Lord Jesus. The whole creation pleads, come, Lord Jesus. That's not a cry of despair, but it absolutely is the kind of yearning that we see in the patriarchs and prophets and the blessed faithful who have gone before us, like Job, who said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I shall see him, how my heart yearns within me. That really captures Advent and how this first Sunday in Advent sets us up for a proper celebration of Christ's birth and then his death and resurrection. Pastor Peter Bender is pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, and director of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. You'll find a link to the Concordia Catechetical Academy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Peter, thanks. Thank you so much, Todd. In the next hour, we'll discuss woke journalism with Batya Unger-Sargon of Newsweek. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in Him.